right all right it's real life real equity with your host justin and keisha brooks welcome to the show our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs showing in both life and business as real estate investors our mission is to model educate and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools ideas and information to add more worth to your net worth more cash to your cash flow helping you achieve your goals in less time that's right since we have grown with real life real equity we have learned from our listening audience and our guests that entrepreneurship is full of trials tribulations and resilience with that being said we are going to email all of our listeners a free copy of the book resilience turning your setback into a comeback This book is full of powerful testimonies from unstoppable super achievers sharing their stories of resilience. With it being endorsed by Brian Tracy and Tom Ziegler, the entrepreneurs, NFL players, speakers, and authors in the book will share with you their firsthand accounts of how resilience put them on the path to success. It's simple. Send us an email to resilience at realliferoequity.com. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Today we have an amazing guest for you. He is a writer, documentary, film producer, and founder of Freedom Force International. Listed in Who's Who in America, he is well known because of his talent for researching difficult topics and presenting them in clear terms that all can understand. He has dealt with such diverse subjects as archaeology and ancient earth history, the Federal Reserve System, and international banking, terrorism, internal subversion, the history of taxation, U.S. foreign policy, the science and politics of cancer therapy, the Supreme Court, and the United Nations. His better-known works include The Creature from Jekyll Island, World Without Cancer, The Discovery of Noah's Ark, Moles in High Places, The Open Gates of Troy, No Place to Hide, The Capitalist Conspiracy, More Deadly Than War, The Grand Design, The Great Prison Break, and The Fearful Master. He's a graduate of the University of Michigan where he majored in speech and communications. He is a recipient of the coveted Telly Award for Excellence in Television Production. The creator of the Reality Zone Audio Archives, publisher of Need to Know News, and is president of American Media, a publishing and video production company in Southern California. He has served on the board of directors for the National Health Federation and the International Association of Cancer Victors and Friends, and is founder and president of the Cancer Cure Foundation. He is the founder of the Coalition for Visible Ballots, a grassroots organization for the elimination of vote fraud made possible by the electronic voting system. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you today, founder and chairman of Freedom Force International, our guest, Mr. G. Edward Griffin. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. So let's get started with talking a little bit about where you're from, how you got started in business. Just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Oh, wow. Okay, myself. Most boring topic I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I probably have done nothing more than most people do. The most outstanding feature of my life, I've made a lot of mistakes and blundered into some good fortune. Worked like crazy, worked hard. So I guess uh, looking back on it, it was kind of proof of the old axiom that good luck happens when preparation and uh, good fortune come together. So I've had a lot of frustrations, a lot of failures, a lot of uh, what I consider to be defeats, and always refuse to give up. I never even thought about that as a possibility. It'd be like committing suicide, you know? Right. right. It happens, but I, I've never entertained the idea. How could you possibly do that and give up, you know? Okay, that's sort of the frame around the picture. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. I wandered into a field which was quite unusual. I became a child radio actor. 
how that came about is weird. I mean, there were some courses being given by the school system on, you know, how to how to use a microphone and how to how to understand radio. So I went down and I said, oh, I'll show up for that. It sounds interesting. When they point the finger at you, that means go. And when they <laughs> do the circle in the air, that means speed it up. And, that, you know, all these things. Right. And I, I just lapped it up. So the first thing you know, that started off with a huge class. I think I was about nine or ten. And anyway, the, the next week we went back and uh, instead of that crowd, it was down to about 100. And I'm still lapping it up. And the next week I went back and it was down to about 50. The next week I'm back and it's down to about 20. And you get the progression. After a little while, there was there were three or four of us that were hanging in there. And I started to get calls. Well, do you want to be on the Lone Ranger or uh, something like that? You know, the Ford Theater, the Lone Ranger. Not many network programs came out of Detroit, but a few did. And so, yeah, I, was, I wound up doing that sort of thing. I went in, uh, decided that was my field. I would go into uh, communications. They didn't call it that in those days. They called it speech and uh, theater. So that's what I did. And I came out of school thinking, well, this is my field. I'm going to be in communications and or whatever. By that time, TV was coming on the market. So uh, when I came out of school, I, I got a job at a TV station as um, assistant manager or assistant director, they called it. Then um, went in the military and uh, spent a couple of years there. I wound up in special services, which was uh, not my intent. Actually, I went into military and I, they put me in, into radar to repair radar systems. And, oh wow! Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I, that was a, a little backstory on that. And I've been around radio technicians and engineers for quite a few years. I knew a little bit just by listening to these guys. So I scored well on the aptitude test. And uh, when I came out, I scored pretty well. So they made me an instructor. Okay, I'm instructing radar repair systems now. And then I meet a, a colonel who I knew in civilian life uh, who was an agent you know, for uh, actors, talent agents. Oh, wow. And we knew each other. I was just a non-commissioned guy. I wanted to get in and out. So the, the colonel says, oh, hey, Ed, how you doing? I said, yes, sir. How are you? And then we got through with the salute business. And, and uh, he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm... Um, teaching radar. He said, I need your help. He said, a guy like you, I know, I need your help. So what for? He said, well, I'm running the service, special service operation on the base in El Paso, Texas. The, the guys go for crafts and uh, they listen to music and sometimes they have dances there. It was a place to relax. Yeah. They had a wood right. shop there. It was a cushy place to be. I said, you, you want me to work over there? He said, well, I need an assistant. I said, okay, but I don't think you can do that because I'm teaching radar. He said, let me see what I can do. Well, the next day I got my instructions to go report for duty over there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just the beginning of it. And, of course, I'm embarrassed to tell you this because, you know, I thought I'd be doing something for my country. All of a sudden I'm, you know, having fun. And, uh, <laughs> it was not part of my plan at all. So anyway, a couple of weeks later, the colonel got reassigned to the swamps and Louisiana, I don't know, he must have done something wrong. So I wound up pretty much running that for the rest of my time in the service. And part of that was putting on USO shows. Wow. And um, one show came through, and Raymond Burr was the star. And, of course, in those days, he was just best known for his role as playing the heavy in the rear window. So wow. Raymond wow. Burr and I got to know each other, and you know, I put on the show for him. And, and then before he left base, uh, we went into the hotel and he said, let's have a drink. I don't Well, sure. Okay. So we're sitting there getting sauced. And he says, what are you going to do when you get out of this army? You know? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Ray, I think I'm going to go to Hollywood. Oh, Hollywood. That's where I live. You know, 
said, yeah, I know. <laughs> he says, uh, come look me up. I'll get you fixed up. I went to Hollywood when I got out of the service. I drove out there, and first thing you know, I pick out this piece of paper with his telephone number on it, and it rings, and he answers the phone. Uh, he says, yeah, this is, this is uh, Ray Raber. I said, hi, this is Ed Griffin. And silence. He said, who? I said, Ed Griffin. Remember, we, we, were, we did the USO show in El Paso. Big long pause. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. Oh, oh yeah. Well, hi, hi, Ed. How you doing? I said, Well, I'm doing fine. I said, uh, You gave me your number. Said when I got out, that you'd, uh, uh, you know, you could uh, take me around, introduce me to some people. So here I am. And oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't hardly remember me. It was so. I had lunch with the guy, and he said, Well, I don't know. I'll see what I can do. When I was the last I heard of Ray. So, oh, wow. so now I'm in Hollywood. Now I'm in Hollywood. So. Uh, funny how that happens when you've got right people. it just changed so i decided to go into the corporate world and i got a job with a large insurance company in their underwriting department and sales support and i was doing pretty well i had it all figured out that was going to be my life in the corporate world going to be vice president uh, pretty soon and i spent five years there did did well made good progress and then now we get to the crux of it <laughs> then i started to read some literature that some friends gave me, and I went to see a movie, and I was upset by what I heard because what I basically heard is that the, the America's world was not what it was 50 years ago. It was deteriorating badly, that we were drifting into a kind of a political and an economic system that we never had before, and we were in trouble, and I thought, ay, 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 I don't, I don't think I want to hear any more of this. But that's what I discovered, my crusader gene. Mm. I didn't know I had one. I was not interested in world affairs and patriotic issues or social issues. Who cared about the economy as long as I had money in my pocket, you know? Right. Who cared about the future of the world? It's now that I, you know, I'm a typical young guy kind of climbing the corporate world. But my crusader gene started to vibrate, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to do something about this. I'm going to make this really short. I, um, I quit my job. <laughs> wow. <laughs> my, my poor wife, I thought she was going to die. She thought I had completely lost my mind, which I had in a way, because that was a very <laughs> stupid thing to do in normal parlance. But anyway, that's what I did. I went into business for myself. I became very involved in communication, started to give speeches, started to produce uh, little low-budget documentary films on what I thought was important, and wandered into the topic of the Federal Reserve System. I never did prepare that documentary film, but I did research for it. And, but eventually that led me to write the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. I met a doctor who was practicing medicine in California who introduced me to an alternative uh, treatment for cancer that really worked, and yet the medical profession didn't want it because it was not approved by the pharmaceutical industry. So mm. all of a sudden I was in that world, and I wrote a book on that called World Without Cancer, and just stumbled from one thing to the next. I became very ill at one time. In fact, I was diagnosed by two neurologists as having multiple sclerosis. Wow. I didn't quite know what that was, and I looked it up, I, then I knew that I did not like that. But fortunately, they were wrong. You know, I found out since then, I had just run my body down to the ground. I was working around the clock. Uh, I thought I had to save the world all by myself. And I was drinking, and I was smoking. Uh, and I was not sleeping well, and I, my diet was 
atrocious. I never thought about diet. Oh, is that important? And that's wow. what happened. But I recovered from it. And in that process, I didn't know what I was going to do to support my family because I was pretty much on my back most of the time. Mm-hmm. around. And um, some publisher called and said, would you like to write a book for us on one of your topics that you've been speaking about on the United Nations? And I, I had never written a book. I'd never written an, a serious essay, really. I didn't think I could write. I mean, I'm a public speaker, right? I'm an actor, right? Right. right. <laughs> And theater on you know communications, but not a writer. So, but I, I had no choice. I needed the money, and this guy was offering me an advance, a good advance. I thought, well, I started to say, well, you know, I can't write, but I found myself saying, oh, well, that's no problem, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of those things where a, a real roadblock thrown in my way that I thought was so terrible turned out to be a wonderful thing for me because. Had it not been for that, I wouldn't have known I could write. I had to. Wow. I started, and it it was horrible the first uh, couple of hours. I did a couple of months of additional research. I did all my note-taking, got it all organized. The day came, okay, today I start to write. So I got a piece of paper out there and a pencil in my hand, and I'm staring at this paper, and nothing is coming out of the pencil. And um, so I scribble a few words, tear it up, throw it away. I said, no, oh, this is terrible. I can't do anything. I'm defeated. And then I just got mad. I said, oh, damn it, just write something. Write your name. And so I started to (laughs) scribble things. And I'd tear up the paper, throw it away, start again, write something else. And all of a sudden, in about a half an hour, I wrote something. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. That was an interesting phrase. So I tagged on top of that. The first thing you know, I forgot that I couldn't write. I got involved in actually doing it. And I just forgot about the other part. And a, a couple hours went by. And I looked at what I'd written. I said, oh, my God. This isn't too bad at all. I didn't know I could do this. And I discovered that I liked it. And um, people apparently agree that it was pretty good because a lot of people have bought my book and read it and other books. But the point being, now I get back to your question. You know, what is significant about my life? Well, I've had a lot of setbacks and almost all of them were really good for me. Wow. That is amazingly sage advice. All of the problems for the things that turned out to be good for you in the end. You gave us a lot. What would be something that you, if you could, you would tell your younger self if you had the opportunity? Actually, that's pretty easy now because I've given a lot of thought to it. Question authority, respect nature, and follow what your heart tells you you have to do. Wow. Question authority, respect nature. And follow what your heart tells you to do. Yeah. Wow. I like the question authority. (laughs) (laughs) Had I been asked that question early on, I wouldn't have realized how important that was. But now, you know, most of my life in the later part of my life has been devoted to uh, discovering how authority is really, in many cases, not what we think. We think it's there to help us, but it's really there to exploit us. And once you understand that, it's a shocker. And uh, But then you begin to question authority. And the more you do that, uh, it makes you kind of a pariah. People don't like you. Oh, you're not a team player, you know? And right. All- yeah, that that is very true. I even recently was talking to someone, and we were talking about a p- piece of really known literature, the Bible. And as we were growing up, how gun hole, it has to be this way, and this is this way. And then you kind of get this perspective as you get older 
on what it really is. Well, that's a perspective that you, you discover on so many fields. In fact, we're going to have a Red Pill Expo coming up in June. The whole theory and the purpose behind the Red Pill concept is that we're living in illusions. Well, in the movie, The Matrix, you take a red pill and uh, that allows you to break out of the illusion and see life the way it really is, which can be mm. shocking and frightening and it makes you angry sometimes and fearful but at least it's reality it's better than than the illusions and, and of course in the movie that all humans were not really living at all they were like their bodies were in vats of liquid and they were wired up and their brains mm-hmm. had apps on them and they thought they were living normal lives and they it was all in their minds though they thought they were you know working having a family uh, having a meal and, you know, having a vacation, paying their taxes, all those things. But they were just in a vac. We're really kind of wired up and tapped up and we, we're getting information that's false. And so naturally our brains react to false information and come to false conclusions about the mm. reality of our world. And uh, so back to the issue. Yeah, it's uh, everywhere you look, it seems like the most important fields, whether it's uh, money and banking which, I, of course, I'm particularly interested in, and the field of healthcare, which I got into when I got to uh, do the research on cancer therapies and so forth. So there's that, and uh, you just mentioned that some of the stuff we're getting under the guise of religion is not particularly uh, healthy for us, nor do I think that it's uh, based in reality. By the way, having said that, I want to make sure everybody understands I'm not anti-religious. I'm just saying that religion can be used by people for evil purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. War has been fought in the name of religion. Millions of people have been slaughtered, innocent people slaughtered in the name of God. You know, So it can be used for good or evil. If you're living in an illusion, chances are you're going to be manipulated and you will be used to further an objective which you would, under other conditions, consider to be evil. Yeah, yeah that's wow. true. So elaborate a little more on the Red Pill Expo, because that was one of the things we really wanted to highlight during this podcast is talking about the Red Pill Expo. You mentioned the concept came from the Matrix and, you know, the blue pill and the red pill and the red pill. Actually, we uh, we rewatched that movie when we were on the uh, 2019 Investor Summit to see, which it just brought back these feelings of the what the real reality is. So talk to us a little bit about the Red Pill Expo. Well, yeah, the Red Pill Expo is uh, an event. This is our third one coming up now, and the whole idea behind it is to, is to, uh, hmm, how shall I say this? Is to find a framework within which to talk about some very serious and unpleasant topics, like you know the things we're talking about, what's happening in our healthcare, in our monetary system, in our political system. These are things that we normally don't even want to hear, and we sometimes you begin to talk to your friends about them, and they get kind of glazed over in their eyes, and they're thinking, hmm. Can we have another topic, please? Because it's unpleasant, <laughs> and also it's usually contrary to popular belief. Right. So, so we, we're looking for a way to to present some of this information in a more accessible way. So I came up with the idea. Well, everybody's familiar. Almost everybody's familiar with the with the Matrix movie and the concept of the red pill. So instead of talking about these issues as each issue comes up. Why don't we talk about the general concept of the fact that there are unknown realities? And let's have some fun with it instead of being all dark and gloomy. So uh, we had the first Red Pill Expo uh, in Bozeman, Montana, of all places, back in uh, 2017. 
And I was thinking, well, maybe we get a couple hundred people show up. But blow me down, they came, or I've forgotten how many, the place was full of hundreds and hundreds of people, came from all over the world, literally. We even had a couple of people come from, from France. Of course, they came from Canada, Mexico, and Germany, and the UK, and uh, I think there was somebody there from Russia. And wow. I, I was just blown away. So uh, we knew we had struck pay dirt with that. The second one was equally successful, and now we're coming up with the third one which is in June 7 through 9 in Hartford, Connecticut. So if anybody's okay. interested in knowing about the speakers and the facilities and the cost and all of that, uh, the best place to go is our website, which is Red Pill Expo. Give us a glimpse of something that we're going to learn when we do go to the Red Pill Expo, some of the speakers, some of the topics that the speakers will be talking about. Well, perhaps uh, best known to your audience would be Robert Kiyosaki, uh, the well-known author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a series of books. Right. And originator of Cash Flow. Cash Flow, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the most successful investors, he talks about, well, real wealth. And uh, he shocks people because he tells them things that they never heard before about their money and uh, how they should be making money. He's going to be there. As a matter of fact, uh, Robert and I are going to share a program on the first day called a high school course on money that they don't teach in high school. Oh, wow. The first hour will be mine. I'll talk about what they don't teach about money. And then the second half, Robert will be on the platform and he'll be talking about what they don't teach about wealth. And that's equally important, if not more so, because most people don't know the difference between money and wealth. And that's the reason they, they work for money, but they never acquire wealth. Well, of course, I'll be speaking again in the uh, program. I, I'm working on a topic right now, and it's, uh, my topic is private property, that thing, mm. that thing we are told to detest. Uh, most people have heard of Del Bigtree. Uh, Del Bigtree is a movie producer from Hollywood, and he right, produced right. a very controversial film called Vaxxed. And boy, oh, is that yeah. a red doll for people. I was raised, and most people still think that vaccines are there to help us. If that isn't a blue pill, I'm here to tell you there's none any bigger than that. Zach is one of the few triple board certified physicians in the U.S. I mean, triple board. This guy's wow. got a brain, and he's an expert in so many fields. And including, by the way, he was developing chemotherapy to treat cancer. Well, when I first I heard that, I thought, oh, I'm not going to like this guy because I know <laughs> chemotherapy is, is just one of those blue pills again. It's right. not what you think it is. It's just the opposite. And, uh, but then I was divided to find out that, that uh, Zach came to that same realization himself, and he backed away from all of this uh, stuff that he'd learned in medical school and uh, in you know, the research he was doing, and he came to the realization that he was on the wrong track that mm -hmm. everything he learned, not everything, but almost everything he learned in medical school was wrong. It was just the opposite. And so he made a complete turn, and he's talking about, oh, it's the better ways to, to treat diseases, the better ways to increase longevity, the better ways to stay healthy, and they're all rooted in nature. So that's, that's uh, I can tell you that's one well worth coming to the event for, just him alone. Oh, my gosh, there's so many. Oh, here's Mark Robinson. Maybe you've heard about Mark. He's the guy who said, I am the majority. He stood up. He faced that city council. He said, when are you people going to start protecting 
the, the rights of the majority. When are you going to start listening to the majority? And then he said, I am the majority. I'm a yeah. law-abiding citizen. I've never yeah. hurt anybody in my life. I've never stolen anything. And every time some idiot goes, killed somebody with a gun, you try and make me responsible for it. And you want to take away my gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. this guy really laid it out. I've never heard anything quite so good as that. Mark is going to be there, and he'll talk about that. All right, so if you all didn't catch that, that's redpillexpo.org. Again, redpillexpo.org. Uh, go check it out. See all the amazing speakers that are going to be there. You won't want to miss it. Before we let you get off the podcast, I can't in good conscience let you get off without speaking about the creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah, let's hear you talk a little bit more about the Federal Reserve. A little bit. Okay, that's hard to <laughs> A little, uh, a lot. <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, oh man, what can you say about it? Well, uh, you know, you can condense topics down. I've learned that yeah, no matter how much little, how, how little time you have, you can always condense your topic down. In fact, if I had um, three seconds, I could condense the whole topic of the Federal Reserve down into three seconds. And it would be, okay. it's a scam. <laughs> <Any questions laughs> okay, that's the three second version. Uh, then we go to the three-hour version and something in between would be this, that um, the Federal Reserve is not what we think it is. It's an illusion. And when you take the red pill, you find out that it's not a government agency. It's a cartel. It's a banking cartel. No different than a sugar cartel or an oil cartel, peanut cartel. Happens to be a banking cartel. It's made up of private businesses, the big, huge banking corporations, primarily in America, but with close economic ties, and I would say ideological ties also, with the biggest banks in the world. I mean, it, uh, we're talking about and the financial interests also, like the Rothschilds in Europe and the Warburgs in Germany and so forth. It's, a, it's an international cartel, but its main focus is in the United States. And having said that, then we turn to the question, well, what does it do? And the answer is already embedded in the first part of that, which explained that it's a cartel. Because what does the cartel always do? The cartel is not there to help the people. The heart cartel is not formed to keep prices down for the buyers. The cartel is not there for any reason except to advance the interests of the members of the cartel. Mm. Once you understand that primarily, that primary essence and reality then everything falls into place. So the, the cartel called the Federal Reserve System has a primary job of keeping people in the vat, keeping people in the matrix, keeping people thinking that it's a government agency and it's there to help them. And they constantly talk about, well, we did this and we did that to control inflation. Well, we did this or we did that in order to stimulate employment. We did this and we did this because we're good guys and we want to help you. And none of that is true. They did this and that only because it furthers the interests of the members of the cartel, which means the largest banks, which is why, in case you've ever wondered, every time there's an economic crisis and it goes to Congress, those people are very much in bed with the, uh, with the bankers. That's where their money comes from, where their, where their campaign money comes from, why they're elected. They do what they're told. You think the government runs the Federal Reserve? No. Federal Reserve runs the government because they own, they purchase, they own the the politicians. Mm -hmm. and that's a fact. I, anybody wants to 
question that. I'd love to meet them on the debate uh, platform and prove that. That's why every time there's a, a, a crisis and looks like, oh, this bank is going to fail, or maybe a big corporation is going to fail, what do we do? We go to Congress and they always vote to bail it out. They mm-hmm. bail out the banks first. Had you noticed that? Why yes. would they bail out the banks first? Well, because they're running the show. They get yeah. it first up. And then secondly, they bail out the corporations that are in trouble, but where does the money go to that they give to the corporations? Well, the answer is the corporations are failing because they owe huge amounts of debt to the banks and they can't make their debt payments anymore. That's why they're failing. So when we bail out the corporations, the money goes to the corporations and then right out the back door to the banks, to payments Mm -hmm. on their debt. All of it always goes to the banks. So what we're dealing with is a system of the banks by the banks and for the banks. Mm, and that's wow. my short that's my short explanation. Now, wow. knowing is only half the battle, guys. So if you really want to know not only the history of the Federal Reserve, check out the creature from Jekyll Island, but again the Red Pill Expo is going to be the thing where like he said, he's he's gonna do a, a presentation with Robert Kiyosaki where the first hour he talks about all the things that have to do with the, the Federal Reserve system, financial system, the banking system, and then Robert Kiyosaki has a philosophy, and I venture to say it works. It really does because he's figured out how to counteract some of the things that we're talking about today. So if you want to learn the dual-edged sword to it, the Red Pill Expo is where you need to be. Exactly, exactly. And the other reason is not just to learn things. You know, we have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And just having the knowledge is a first step, but it's only a first step. We have to actually turn this around and uh, change the world. It it sounds grandiose. You know, they say, what do you do for a living? Well, I don't know about the living part, but I'll tell you what I do. I'm trying to change the world. Ah, 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 ah. Well, no, it's really true. The reason I bring it up is that by going to the Red Pill Expo, you will be meeting and mingling with hundreds and hundreds of other people of like mind, all of whom to some extent think that they're all alone. They think, oh my gosh, I'm the only person that feels this way. And that's not true. People like us are in strong majority. We want to know. But now only a few of those that want to know are willing to step forward and actually do something about it. So that's the other part of the Red Pill Expo. And that leads to the thing called the Red Pill University. But the Red, the Red Pill University is sort of the next step after people decide that they want to do something about it. Now they need an ongoing program, a means of working together, developing projects, becoming active at local levels, which is why we have campuses of the Red Pill University. If we put boots on the ground, we begin to affect local elections, and we're off and running. Wow. It sounds to me like we still have a long way to go, but because we don't have the time to talk about everything, because, I mean, gosh, we spent 10 days on the summit at sea, and we didn't even crack the crack the egg on what we could have talked about. And so... If you want to learn more about Ed and the Red Pill Expo, go to redpillexpo.org. Again, that's redpillexpo.org. If I may say that I know that for a lot of different reasons, most people probably aren't going to be able to go to Hartford, Connecticut on these dates. I know it's three days, four days out of your life. For those who just cannot make it, we don't want to lose you. We, we need you. You need us. So what we've done is that we're recording the event. And for an amazingly low price, I'll it's $25. You'll be able to attend the whole event uh, online, starting the day day after the event closes. So wow. All you have to do is just sign up to become a student at Red Pill University for one month, 
And then for that month, you'll be able to look at the whole event, plus the Red Pill Expo for last year, too, and plus the Red Pill Expo for the first year, and plus a lot of other stellar material like that. I would say it's a thousand dollars worth of material or more that you can just watch in the in at your leisure in the comfort of your own home. Right, I agree. Yeah, wow, twenty five dollars. I don't know about you, but I can spend more than twenty five dollars on a lunch. So uh, I'm just saying to learn everything that that we're talking about here, it's it's a no brainer. So yeah. uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you uh, making sure that you gave our audience that opportunity, and um, we appreciate you being on the show. We've had a I mean, it was a host of wisdom that you dropped on us. I mean, I'm going to go back and I'm going to close out the show like this. You said the three things that you wish you had known back when you were younger. Question authority, respect nature, and follow what your heart tells you to do. I can't think of anything better to close a show out with than that. I mean, that's sage wisdom and uh, something that I'm going to keep in my mind whenever I go through uh, every day because it's something that we all need to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you, you respond to that like I do, because it, it has become kind of the gyroscope of my life. Right. Yeah, I agree. So I appreciate you being on the show with us. Okay. Well, thank you for inviting me, and uh, maybe I'll see you at the Red Collection. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.